It is indeed a pleasure to have this privilege to play here for you. And we, we intend to give you a very fine program, so just settle back, relax, and enjoy the moment. moment, 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 moment. Right. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome back to a very special edition of Mic'd Up on OM Radio. I'm your host, Mika Gadsden, and I'm here with another COVID-19 update for our Charleston listeners or listeners for wherever you are. If you're streaming us um, from the OM Radio uh, website, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. I want to start today's broadcast. It's Thursday. It's 7.04 a.m. It's March 19th, and I want to just kick off by just saying, again, thank you to um, my extended community, thank you to the OM radio staff for allowing me additional time on the airwaves this week. It's, it's vitally important for me to not just create content, right, but it's vitally important for me to um, have to, to use in as much of my resources and network as possible um, to help folks throughout this time. I am an activist and organizer, and um, part m- most of my work right now consists on communicating to folks. And so um, I'm, I'm extraordinarily grateful to those who have supported uh, me at OM and provided me with this time on the air. So um, I'm going to jump into it like I've, I've been jumping into it uh, online, on social media, and basically bringing you the headlines. Um, I'm not going to read everything verbatim, but I am going to give folks um, some additional insight, leveraging the great reporting that we've seen, not just at the Post and Courier, um, but at the state newspaper as well, um, Live 5 News and Count On 2, so our NBC News affiliate as well. So um, I'm not going to have anything from the state this morning, but I'll go ahead and, um, and, and read uh, the front page of the Post and Courier. So like many of you all, I woke up to even um, more, I guess, a more sobering reality. I don't know how much we all can kind of <laughs> be be alerted to what's really going on because we're living it, right? The city of Charleston is quite literally um, shut down as as I record this. Um, again, it's 7.06 a.m. Thursday morning. Um, and yeah, life is real. Um, I'm downtown. Uh, I'm at a hotel currently. Uh, I, I took this as an opportunity to really get a sense as as to what the city is is feeling like, what it looks like. I walked around uh, the the uh, the immediate area here, uh, Upper King, yesterday. It was desolate. It was quiet. Um, saw a large police presence. Uh, so, um, but not because anything um, untoward or not because anything bad was happening. But you just saw a lot of vigilant police officers. Um, but basically I didn't see many cars. I didn't see many buses. We know that things are running on a restricted or reduced schedule. A lot of businesses that are, that were deemed, uh, non-essential have been, um, have been shut down. And so you saw that. So, um, of course, restaurants were open. Of course, I saw (laughs) liquor stores open and wine stores open as well. Um, and I don't begrudge anyone. Um, enjoying any libations right now, especially if you're in isolation or quarantine. Um, however, you saw the non-essential businesses basically close, um, retail establishments, you name it, uh, and hotels. So the hotel I'm in is running on a skeleton crew. Um, one thing that was like just really jolting yesterday was when when I went downstairs to um, to go get breakfast, you know, the complimentary, complimentary breakfast that's available. Um, I was presented with uh, a row of brown bags. So basically, the staff that I'd seen in the previous days um, were were not there anymore. And so I didn't have that hot eggs and bacon and sausage 
breakfast, it was a brown bag with a couple of like heat and serve um, options, um, heat and serve options and an apple, some oatmeal, some instant oatmeal, a yogurt, a couple of juices. Yeah. And that's when I was really like, okay, okay. So, um, and then, um, it was overheard by a friend of mine that the valet, um, the guy running the valet downstairs was, you know, lamenting about being furloughed. So, you know, the, the headlines reflect what we are, we are all seeing and hearing from our friends and family, um, is that, you know, the folks at the front line of the hospitality industry are feeling this, um, feeling a lot of the, the crunch right now. Uh, Charleston's chief industry is tourism, and we'll get into all of that and my feelings on that on a later episode. Um, I actually spoke with a tourism expert um, yesterday, had a great interview about the um, economics of tourism, and, and it's in, it's you know, is it sustainable? Why isn't it sustainable? Mass tourism, um, you know, all of that. But, but yeah, we're seeing those on the front lines are the women that turn down my bed, the, the, um, the workers, people that keep this place running and people who keep tourism running, um, you know, hotel workers, tour guides, all of it. Um, and the restaurant industry can't talk enough about what the restaurant industry here is going through. Um, I've been surviving off of Uber Eats and it's like my way of, of supporting local businesses that no longer have the dine-in option. Um, but you know, it's, it's really tough out there for folks. So, um, a lot of businesses, businesses are losing revenue hand over fist and it's really, um, it's really sad, but I know that we'll bounce back. I know that um, things will be better. It's just a tough time in our in our American history, and you know every generation goes through something like this. So um, not to say that not to to diminish what we're feeling, but um, we've been in tough spots before. Um, but yeah, let me jump back into the um, headlines. So the Post and Courier dated for March. Uh, 19th Thursday and again it's uh, give you another little time update at 7 10 a.m. so the the top headline reads jobless claims spike majority of applications from hospitality industry um, as displaced workers yeah so majority of the applications from from the hospitality industry right and so these are displaced workers who are now trying to um, to apply for unemployment benefits the other headline to the right of that and this is written by uh, Fleming Smith and Sarah Coelho. Um, we learned that school closings took a turn. So back to school put off amid new cases. So Charleston County delays reopening total infected cases in South Carolina hits 61. So that was reported. So overnight I woke up to more, more you know, infection numbers uh, here in Charleston, which was, again, we know that as, as testing becomes more widely available, we're going to see this number just skyrocket. Um, I'm going to read a little bit more from Fleming and Sarah's piece. South Carolina officials reported 14 new cases of the new coronavirus, bringing the state's known total to 61 patients in 14 counties. Um, DHEC has reported 13 new cases by Wednesday night. So last night, DHEC reported those new cases. And again, you can find an up-to-date tracker. Um, the Post and Courier has a real-time tracker of infections broken down by, by county um, on their website. Again, the Post and Courier has made their coronavirus reporting. Um, they have remo- taken it from behind the paywall, made it more accessible for folks. Uh, so um, make sure you go and, and uh, 
find information there. Let me scroll down the front page. And um, I didn't credit Andrew Brown. Andrew Brown wrote the first headline that um, reports about the jobless, um, the unemployment uh, application. So shout out to Andrew Brown. Um, Okay, Hannah Raskin, she's been writing a lot lately um, because she's at the she's on the front line. She's a food critic, but she has uh, an intimate knowledge of the uh, food, the food industry here, the restaurant, the food and bev industry, I should say. And uh, Hannah has um, written a piece that's on the front page and it says end of dining isn't the end of the world for restaurants. So she's talking about those who have gotten creative. Um, I saw her even on social media taking pictures um, of um, showing how some restaurants have gotten creative with the dining element of their businesses being restricted or, you know, being banned. Um, So a lot of folks, again, uh, Uber Eats, uh, DoorDash, Postmates, I believe. There are some other options of like these, um, you know, you use the app, a courier service, whatnot, to bring you food. Um, also, too, it was dope to see a Low Country Local First really uh, reach out to businesses. And it looks, like, it looks as if the folks over there are coming up with unique ways to help folks, um, to remind folks to support these local businesses. And they, were, they created a number of like branded assets to encourage folks to continue to shop local as we've already seen with Amazon and other like online retailers. Um, you know, a lot of what we're trying to purchase is not really available. So it's even more of an incentive for us to support local businesses. Um, and I, I'm something, I'm someone who, um, that was one of my first relationships when I moved to South Carolina was with low country, local first. So they've been championing, um, local businesses, and they're continuing to support local businesses as this crisis um, continues to just um, crush our crush our um, tourism and food and bev industry here. So check out Hannah Raskin's piece about what restaurants are doing to get through this tough time. Um, Glenn Smith and Thad Moore, um, they're reporting about the number of tests. Now, this is something that I've seen um, become circulated widely on social media, this story. So Glenn and Thad are reporting that a number of tests run in South Carolina are unclear. Um, we don't know. The um, access to testing has been limited and the numbers are off. And so check out that uh, article from Thad and uh, Glenn, if you can, regarding the number of tests run in South Carolina. I don't even think we know how many tests have been administered, which is um, unsettling. Um, and I don't know what, what's the hiccup, but it's important that we kind of talk about this. And it's important that this is reported because <clears throat> together we'll be able to figure out, um, you know, where certain, um, where certain gaps in communication um, exist. Um, the last headline on the front page below the fold is um, all about Trident United Way partners. Um, they partnering with the Post and Courier uh, to help, um, you know, to help other area to help others in need. Um, you can check out that story. Um, you can donate. I'm sure all of you are already donating and supporting local uh, organizations that you really uh, care about and that you see doing great work. So I believe that this story is going to just continue to give you ways. Uh, show you ways to help out folks during this trying time. I'm going to go ahead and now and pivot to an update from uh, News 2. Let me see. It's Thursday, March 19th, and here's a look at what News 2 is working on for you today. DHEC says there are 60 total COVID-19 cases in South Carolina right now. 
The agency announced 13 new cases Wednesday. One of those is in Charleston County. An active duty airman at Joint Base Charleston tested positive for the coronavirus. Mission critical response person person was in isolation when they were notified the test came back positive. We're told that patient lives in Charleston County. New rules are now in effect for visitors at Trident Health. Only one visitor is allowed per patient at a time. No visitors under 18 are allowed unless they're visiting a new sibling at Somerville Medical Center. Doctors say a Somerville mother and daughter may have COVID-19. They say Marie Price's mother is now at home in isolation. Marie also says she's self-isolating. They expect to get their test results back in the next few days. The MUSC Health West Ashley Medical Pavilion at the Citadel Mall is temporarily closed. A patient's family member tested positive for the coronavirus. About 70 MUSC team members are now self-isolated. And starting today, facilities in the city of Charleston are closed. They include the Angel Oak Tree, Cannon Street Arts Center, Dock Street Theater, Maritime Center, Old Exchange Building, and the Old Slave Mart Museum. For everything and more about the coronavirus, stay online at CountOn2.com. There will also be three special streaming shows, one at 11.30, another at 3, and a final one at 9 p.m. In Charleston, I'm Kate Prestak, Count On 2. Okay, yeah, that was an update. Um, shout out to News 2. Um, I thought that was very important. I like their their morning updates. Um, just so something you can just hop online, listen to what's important, what's pertinent in terms of Charleston. Um, there was another update I wanted to, let me see. Doo -doo 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 -doo. I wanted to give an update from Live 5 News. They've been great, especially uh, Paola there who works, um, who reports. She's been reporting with businesses. Yesterday, I played a clip from Paola as well. Um, let me see. We open that up. Yeah, here we go. The city of Charleston is getting serious about its ordinance that restricts indoor gatherings of 50 people or more in public spaces. But they're asking all of us to help enforce it. While some businesses have decided to close, others have taken more creative approaches to keep things going. Paula Tristan Aruda tells us what churches are now doing. Whether it's a bar, restaurant, movie theater, or even house of worship, people in the city of Charleston are no longer allowed to be in groups bigger than 50 people. City leaders say it's for the best. This is for everybody's um, uh, public safety, it's for their health, and we want to make sure that people are going to cooperate with what we're trying to accomplish here, which is to avoid the spread of this deadly disease. Many are questioning how city officials are going to enforce this. Today, Charleston leaders explained that they're asking for voluntary compliance. So far, there's been no trouble, but officials aren't ruling out having police patrol the streets. We want to first educate communities about it, um, to be in compliance with it, and we're hoping that we have voluntary compliance. Um, if we, we don't, we'll be out checking on that and we'll be warning folks. We certainly don't want to go to a, a house of worship and have to enforce this. So we've been reaching out to the community, talking to the, uh, the different denominations. You know, as leaders of churches, one of the Craig Tuck is the executive director of the Charleston Baptist Association, which is made up of about 80 churches around the Tri-County, including Citadel Square Baptist in downtown Charleston. He says when he first heard of this ordinance, he was worried. My first thought was, what are we gonna do? You know, because as churches, we depend on gathering 
every week. But as news of the coronavirus spread, and so did the disease, Texas churches are making sure you can still worship while staying home. Most of our churches are following that lead to say we're not going to gather at all. We're going to go virtual and do um, you know Facebook Live um, or Zoom calls or whatever video means that we have to, to have services. In downtown Charleston, I'm Paula Chisnerda, Live 5 News. Okay, yeah, that was a quick update uh, from Live 5 News. Uh, yeah, that was just, um, so you're starting to see how either lo local law enforcement and other entities are trying to manage uh, these closings, the closings of like non-essential um, businesses um, and how that's going to be enforced. Um, and yeah, so it's a, it's, it's a time right now, as my mom would say, it's a time right now. However, um, I know, again, um, and hopefully this doesn't sound vague and, and, and empty. I really do feel as if we're going to band together. I know there's some headlines that were a little alarming um, about, you know, other individuals' behavior and whatnot. Um, but I want us to just remind, I want to remind folks to just continuously just to model grace, um, model civility. I don't really put a premium on civility, but in times like this, I think it's essential for us to uh, maintain that, um, buy what we need, uh, don't hoard supplies, think of someone else who um, is having trouble getting to retail establishments either because of limited resources, limited mobility, age, health, um, whatever it is. So um, be mindful of those who come behind you. Uh, even like um, I was in I was in the, the Harris Teeter the other day, and they, they had just brought out a bunch of hand sanitizers for sale, like just a bunch of little mini bottles of hand sanitizers. And um, when I saw it, I was like overjoyed because we know that, you know, they're in limited supply everywhere. Um, but I just took one bottle. I just took one bottle. And I'm not saying I'm doing anything very virtuous. <laughs> I'm just saying that um, there was an instinct to maybe grab a few because of the scarcity. Um, but then I thought really quickly about like, you know, like Meek, how many, how many do you need? You know, you got, you got two full-size bottles in your car alone. You got a couple of full-size bottles at home. What do you need? You just need one. Um, and you got soap and water, which is most important. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, yeah, access to soap and water has been a godsend for me. Um, and being that I have not been out a lot, I'm actually using soap and water way more than I'm using hand sanitizer. Uh, so, yeah, um, you know, just just think of others as you navigate this crisis. Um, what I want to do now is also program um, a program. I want to uh, now add um, an interview I had with my friend. My friend, her name is Tamisha Hardy. Uh, Tamisha is a registered nurse. She also has her MSN. And she and I sat down for a conversation yesterday. And so um, I wanted to just bring you the perspective of someone uh, in healthcare. Uh, Tamisha currently, she's a nurse currently in the Philadelphia area. So she's in uh, Center City, Philadelphia. Uh, and that's where that's where she lives and, and works. And um, you might be thinking like, well, what does that do for us here? Um, two things were important for me, as always, lifting up the voices of black uh, women and black professionals is important. Um, and also just giving you a perspective of someone who's more who's closer to where a huge, huge infection uh, bubble ex exists right now. So Misha is 
is is out there helping folks in her hospital in Philadelphia, which is not too far, two hours away from New York City. And New York City is 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 uh who is reeling right now. And so I wanted to get her perspective on what she was seeing, um, her advice, uh, what she would recommend. We also have a little fun with myth busting um, and dispelling some rumors and, and other, other things like that. And just common sense tips and in and, and a, and a conversation between two friends um, about this crisis and how we can get through this. So and she's a mom as well. And she and her partner, um, they co-parent, um, you know, it's a blended family. And so she's just like so many of, of us here who have family members who don't live alone. And like, how do you go about your everyday lives, especially when you work on the front lines? Um, and not to be an alarmist, um, one thing was um, very um, unsettling during our conversation was the lack of medical equipment that she has access to. And so, um, yeah, I think that's something that's hitting South Carolinians hard as well. I woke up to an MSNBC a news report that said that South Carolina was like days away from running out of essential uh, medical equipment, masks, shields, gowns and whatnot. And Misha, um, to Misha, but I call her Mish. Um, Mish, um, she goes into um, she goes into that. She, she just touches on that for a second. So um, here's my interview with my friend Tamisha Hardy, <laughs> RN, MSN. You know, go ahead, girl, with your masters. All right. So here's my interview with her. Until next time, y'all, please stay healthy and stay whole to my Gullah Geechee folk, to my African-Americans here in the Holy City. Y'all stay black. But please listen to this interview with Tamisha Hardy, RN. Well, hello, Tamisha. How are you? Hi, Tamika. How you doing? <laughs> all right. It's so good to speak with you. Um, You know, we're all dealing with the uh, COVID-19 crisis, and as I was creating content this week and, and, and scheduling interviews, I said, hold up, I've got a heavy hitter in my own personal network, um, and though you're not based here, <laughs> you, you are, <laughs> and though you're not, you're not based here in, in Charleston or South Carolina, your perspective is important, so for those who don't know who you are, Ms. Hardy, um, could you uh, just introduce your name uh, and your title and what you do and where you work? Okay, so my name is Tamisha Hardy. I am RN, MSN. Um, I currently work as a registered nurse in a critical care unit in Philadelphia. Um, I'm also adjunct faculty for, a, for the nursing department at the Community College of Philadelphia. All right, that's amazing. So critical care, so that means that you're in a hospital right now as the COVID-19 crisis is hitting Pennsylvania. Can you tell me? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Can you tell me like what, what you're experiencing in Pennsylvania? Um, so right now in my particular hospital, we are getting an influx. Um, I would say maybe about in the past week, somewhere between five and 10 people have come in as um, rule out patients. So we're not sure. So sometimes, and the process with testing for COVID is different everywhere. Um, some of the higher universities like John Hopkins and Penn University, they're coming out with the rapid testing now. But one of the problems in the critical care setting is that sometimes the tests take upward of 72 hours to come out. 
So in that time, we're using all the protective, the personal protective equipment, caring for a patient, not really knowing if it's needed. So, you know, caring for a person for that long, if they don't have it, it turns out to be such a waste of the personal protective equipment. So that's why the need for this rapid testing is so important. So, so rapid testing is important. That's what I'm keep, I keep reading here um, with our local coverage in our newspaper, just before you and I began talking, the local newspaper here just reported that one of our uh, hospitals that was doing like the drive-through testing, mm-hmm. I, be- I believe they just shut down because uh, someone was exposed, a patient exposed, um, and I'm not trying to like malign the patient, but a patient yeah. exposed staff members. So that just shows you that staff need to be protected but it's still really, uh, I guess, a delicate issue. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, but of course, if you're offering that that drive-through testing, you definitely need to be wearing the personal protective equipment at all time. Mm-hmm. However, I was just, you know, alluding to the waste of the equipment when we can't get the testing done as quickly as you know I think it should be completed. So yeah, and I don't know if you mentioned your hospital or if you feel comfortable, but you're in Philadelphia, and I know that there are um, there are notable hospitals there um and you're saying even where you're at a major metropolitan area closer to even where new york and you know new york is facing the biggest challenge in the country you you guys don't have rapid testing yeah absolutely um i do feel like um compared to new york um philadelphia definitely hasn't been hit as hard yet um and I think right now, a lot of the institutions are just scrambling to find some things and put them in place so that we get, um, so that we get the patients in screened and are caring for them properly. So, um, so, okay. So you still, you get, a lot of people are just trying to figure this out as a, as yeah, a better- I mean, so many things are unknown about the disease at this point. It's such a new thing, um, that there really aren't any measures that they've already had in place or that they were working toward. So everything that, like everything they're working toward for this um, disease in terms of vaccinations, treatment, and testing, it's all been done with in the last couple of months. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that puts things in perspective um, for real. Um, so let me ask you this as a nurse, do you, uh, do you have, um, do you have daily meetings or like emails or communication about how protocol might change every day in terms of how to treat patients? Oh my goodness. Absolutely. I mean, every day we get at least five or 10 emails just updating us on protocols. I mean, when we first started getting cases in the U.S., we were unsure as to what type of personal protective equipment we were supposed to uh, wear. So every day that was updating. Um, Just in the past couple of days, um, the CDC um, started talking about the need to wear the mask that people wear when they go into rooms for people with tuberculosis when they're administering certain medications to these patients. So, um, like I said, this is all very new. So it's very scary for people in the healthcare community because we are actively dealing with people who could potentially be positive um, for this virus, and we don't really know a lot about it yet. Okay. So, and did you have any confirmed cases? I know you said you were some false alarms, but any confirmed cases at your hospital? You know what? I can't really speak positively on that. Um, I haven't been to work in a couple of days, so I'm not really sure. Uh, no problem. Yeah. But I'm um, just looking at the numbers. I know again, Pennsylvania hasn't, hasn't gotten hit as hard as New York city. And um, I don't know what's going on in New York. I guess they mm-hmm. may, they may just have more access to testing and 
Because I'm sure they're just people just floating around everywhere that have it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I was I was talking about this the other day. Um, we're saying that we have this many cases, but this is with so few people having been tested. And actually, right now, in order to even be tested, it's such a process because you have to be displaying certain signs and symptoms for them to even consider testing you. And if you don't display any of those signs and symptoms, they, you know, they could potentially send you home. And as we've seen recently, you know, people who've had the virus or who've tested positive um, and has been, have been tested only because they knew that they came in contact with someone who was positive, they had no signs and symptoms. Yeah, I think that's the scariest thing right now um, is, you know, and I, I have two aging parents. I spent the past three days away from them, mm-hmm. not, not so much to, not to help them, mitig- you know, to, to avoid, yeah. but, but, but I, when I go back though, I'm afraid that when I go back to where they are, mm-hmm. I might expose them. Um, yeah. I mean, and unfortunately that's the safest thing we can do right now for our parents and mm-hmm. elders. Yeah. Well, um, but yeah, so that's, that's interesting. Um, let me ask you this. So, um, you said you need rapid testing. Um, what are some of the sentiments though? I, I lived in Philly. That's where you and I met Uh both had different lives. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Oh my goodness. I know. Right. (laughs) Um, but so, in Philly, I know the disposition of like, you know, folks in, in the hood, folks from around the way, you know, mm-hmm. our folk, our black folk. But like, are do you have any concerns about African-American communities and especially inner city communities there? Oh, absolutely. Um, so first of all, just living in an inner city, living in pr- close proximity to a lot of other people puts you at high risk for contracting a COVID-19 um, a lot of people have to take public transportation. And even though they're having a lot of the urban areas pretty much on lockdown, I've even heard of some places implementing curfews. Um, there's still places that people have to be, such as supermarkets, Target, and you know, wherever else you have to go throughout your daily day. Um, and one of the issues is, is that a lot of these places are actually um, cutting back their hours. I mean, and it's for cleaning and different things like that. But what it does is it makes it brings more people into the same place at the same time because they all have such, you know, a shorter window and actually to go, you know, to, to go there. So that can, that in itself can create a problem. Um, So it's like SEPTA, like that's the uh, public transportation system. Have they like stepped up cleaning efforts like in New York? So I'm not really sure exactly what is going on currently. I know they did talk about reducing the train schedules um, and reducing the bus schedules, but I don't know how much has been cut back and how strict they are in terms of who's able to travel um, via the the uh, public transportation system right now. So are y'all like commercial businesses that aren't essential? Are they closed? Or are they open right now? Um, right now, it if you are non-essential, you should be closed. Oh, wow. So that means, that means if I want to go get like my hair done. You, nope, you cannot. And um, actually, I think it was yesterday or Tuesday night, they closed all the state liquor stores because it's non-essential. And you know, in Pennsylvania, (laughs) liquor is regulated by the state and liquor can only be purchased in state stores. So as of right now, um, the only place you can purchase wine and beer are in, you know, some of the supermarkets 
that just got recently approved. Shout, shout out Wegmans. Shout out Wegmans. Because, <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Me. So you mean it's kind of, it's no curfew yet, but basically if it's not, uh, I guess restaurants are still open now? No. Okay. So the thing with the restaurants here, they cannot be open for business. Um, they, they can't be open for dining business. They can do deliveries and they can do takeout. Um, but yeah, it's killing, it's going to bankrupt a lot, a lot of people. You know, Philly has a very, very up and coming restaurant scene. Um, so yeah, right now they can only order, I mean, they can only do carry out and, um, and delivery. That's okay. So we, we do have that here. That's something that happened here, but, um, um, like a liquor store closing in Charleston, please. Um, no, that, I think it's, I don't know. I saw the liquor store open today. So, um, <laughs> but, and like, yeah, I think, I think businesses are, can open, but, um, of course the dining part, they, that's a wrap, no dining, no nothing. Yeah. Uh, but they haven't gone as far as non-essential yet, but I'm in this hotel and it's kind of scary. I'm uh-huh. surprised. I'm surprised I didn't get a note saying, yo, you got to get out. Um, and I'm, <laughs> I'm leaving tomorrow, but this, this, this morning when I went downstairs to get the hot, uh-huh. the hot breakfast, it was a brown bag. It was an apple and some muffins. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> so, and I, and you know, I know, outside of me being greedy, it was just, uh, it's sober. And you say, oh, they laid, they, they laid off the staff. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's yeah. happening. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's terrible because uh, waitresses, it, there's so many people, I can't even name them all, but there's so many people who literally are just out work unexpectedly, abruptly, without pay, who have been living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. I don't know if that whole thousand dollar check thing is going to pop off soon. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I just saw something, I think about two hours ago, CNN posted something saying that they, they passed, the Senate passed it. Yeah, they, um, they did. They did. I, I hope, and I hope it does come. They said something like within two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that there's going to be a lot of measures that need to go in place to help people. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm terrified because here's such a big tourism city and uh-huh. I don't, I don't give a damn about the tourism. I give a damn about the tourism, uh, workers. Yeah. Um, and, um, I'm really, really frightened for them, but, um, okay. So you, you're seeing similar things to us, but probably just definitely more densely packed, um, mm-hmm. where you are. Um, you also have family in, um, New York, New York city. Do you know how they're not to get in your business, but like, Oh yeah, no. So, I mean, right now everybody is fine, but, um, it's the same thing. New York is pretty much, I mean, the, the mayor is calling for the city to be on lockdown. They won't let, they won't let the city be on lockdown. Like San Francisco. Did you hear San Francisco was on 24 hour lockdown? That's what I'm saying. Like it's coming though. I think it's coming here. Like it's just, Oh, it's just crazy. I think as the number of confirmed cases go up, I think the panic is going to rise. Um, but of course, the number of concern, um, confirmed cases are going to go up as they get better to, uh, better access to testing and things like that. So I just do not know how this thing is going to p- play out. I'm just hoping that it's over as soon as possible and we can kind of like resume on with our lives as, you know, as it was before this whole thing. But this is absolutely nuts to me you just want to go back to disney for a disney vacation <laughs> i you know what when they shut down the nba i i was just floored i was I, like oh yo, my goodness i dropped my phone like like i saw like 
Mark Cuban react. That's how I reacted. I was like, are you, <sighs> that was real eye opening to me. It was very, and then, and a, even me, me as a nurse and a lot of my fellow nurse friends, so since Philadelphia is not really at the epicenter of what's going on in the United States, uh, it's more the West Coast cities and New York, um, we really did not understand or comprehend how serious this was until the NBA shut things down. Yeah, I, I think for a lot of Black folk, it hit home. Um, mm-hmm. can, you, can you hear me all right? You can hear me. Oh, yeah, I can. I can hear you. Can you yeah, hear me? Um, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, for a lot of black folk, I think it hit home and not just say black folk or NBA fans, but just but I mean, culturally, that's just something that we definitely track. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to I wanted to ask, though, like, so you as a nurse, um, you see that the cities are taking it serious. Um, what are you telling friends that are family people, people like me who are not in healthcare, who mm-hmm. might be calling you for advice? What are you telling folks like them in terms of how to stay safe? Um, so the biggest things, um, are to wash your hands, not touch your face and try and avoid personal space of other people as much as possible. That's the most you can do. Um, you can wipe down all the surfaces as many times as you can, but you're never going to be able to fully avoid contact with germs. So just not touching your face and making sure that those germs are come in contact with the mucous membranes that will prevent you from, you know, from getting sick. Um, and the six to ten, they, they rec- the CDC recommends that you stay like six to ten feet away from people. Um, people at home are generally okay, but as we talked about earlier, um, with elders, people who have um, compromised immune systems, um, you definitely want to give them their space. Make sure that they have their own clean areas um, and wipe down surfaces inside the home as much as possible. You see me touching my face on this video. <laughs> like, it is such a bad, it's such a bad habit to break. I do it all the time, but I like, I wash my hands probably a hundred times a day because I'm a nurse, but I still do it. And it's just such a bad habit to touch your face, but we all do it and we got to try and stop. Yeah, I, I definitely, I think once I leave this hotel room, cause I've literally just, it's just been me in here. And then uh, one time, a, a one cleaning lady, I didn't even let her come in because mm-hmm. I just wanted her to get the trash and that's it. Um, I'm, I'm sure she didn't want to come in. No, <laughs> I'm sure she did. She was like, oh, you she see? She probably didn't know who was holed up in there. She was like, wait, <laughs> the only person on this floor. What's yeah. Um, but no, but um, yeah, I just try to limit my interaction. But um, okay, so washing, of course. Um, in terms of like all the panic I'm seeing in terms of toilet paper and whatnot and mm-hmm. folks, um, a hand sanitizer, I heard so, that like, <laughs> I heard that soap and water was like, that's, that's that, you know, soap and water is better. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Soap and water is always the golden standard, but the problem is, and I think the panic with the hand sanitizer thing is that soap and water is not always readily available as we know. Um, however, we do want you to have a plan to keep you and your family safe, but keep in mind that the CDC recommends you should have maybe about a two week supply of things. Please don't go to the store hoarding everything because when you do that, there are elderly people who can't get it. People who have kids who are sick, they can't get cleaning supplies now. Um, and you know, it, it's just crazy how just a, a few people are trying to hoard a lot of things. So you do want to get a couple of things about two weeks worth, but please, please leave some for other people. 
Okay, let's do some myth busting. So I'm I just pulled up my phone and um, I follow uh Chef Roble mm-hmm. and he posted just two hours ago that he he stayed um flu and cold free since twenty since twenty oh eight um because he um is a re- I guess he he takes colloidal silver. Okay. Um, so I've been hearing a lot about silver and whatnot. Any truth to this? Any any studies you can point to? What is so I can't point to any studies about what silver does. I'm not educated on what silver does to the body or how he even thinks it's helping him. However, um, the problem I have with the statement, because I can't say whether this, the silver can help or not, more than likely not. But the problem is, is nobody knows. People don't understand the virus exactly. So there's nothing that anyone can say that they're doing to prevent the virus. Because right now, the top scientists in the world are all trying to figure this out. So it could be something, he, it could be genetic with him. It could be just something else he's doing in terms of- he's Yeah, a- he could just be, he could be working out, eating healthy, um, doing things to make sure his, um, his immune system is in top, sh- uh, top shape. He's a chef. He probably, I'm assuming, and I'm hoping that he washes his hands often. So that contributes to his health also. He may not be exposed to a lot of people who are sick. I mean, that could be another factor. There are a variety of reasons why people don't get sick. I know a lot of people who haven't been sick for years. Um, it, you know, it's just the luck of the jaw. Some people get the flu every couple years and some people don't. Okay. So another, another myth is this is man-made. Um, Trump made this in a lab. <laughs> oh my goodness. So what they do, what they do know about the virus is that it was like first identified in China. Um, I don't know who <laughs> these people would be. No, men. I know. Look, look, look. I ain't trying to make you debunk <laughs> every little. Thing. But you, you, you feel confident. You feel confident it's not man-made. <laughs> I feel very confident it is not man-made. So COVID nineteen is actually a strain of the coronavirus. The coronavirus is a strain that has. It's, it is a disease that has been known about for a long time. Um, most often it causes a common cold. Um, and that's why, and people have this conspiracy theory, that's why if you read a can of Lysol, it does say that it protects against the coronavirus because the coronavirus has been known about. It's just this particular strain of COVID-19 that hasn't been known about. So that's why I don't believe that it was man-made. Right. And I think things I think, evolve all the time and you know, and different strains are, you know, they're they're just created. Or it may have even been out there for a long time and we, it just hadn't been discovered. Or um yeah, I think even like um they say, you know, some some things jump from animals to humans and uh, yeah, which is uh one of the theories right of how this disease came about. Okay. Well, that was good. I'm glad you, um, you know, laughed that off. <laughs> I just think it's it's interesting, folks. Is just want to arrive at a conclusion so fast, mm-hmm. and it's like we don't even know um, what what's going on. Um, so, how are you um, practicing social distancing? You are a nerd, and, and I'm not trying to um, make <laughs> oh. you feel bad, but like, yeah, do you think you might have to do something different in your in your home? Oh my gosh, absolutely. So. Um... We, well, I try to stay away from my family as much as possible, just because I know that um, I have to get up close and personal with the patients. Um, and when I come home, definitely the first thing I'm doing is taking off my shoes, taking off my scrubs, taking off everything, 
hopping in the shower, washing my hands or whatever. Um, I've, you know, I've taught my daughter a long time ago, ever since I've, I've been a nurse, that she can't touch me when I have my scrubs on. So she pretty much knows the deal when it comes to me coming home. Um, and the same is true for the rest of my family. I can't really interact with them until I get home and, and kind of try and clean the hospital off. Um, for me and um, other people who feel like they may have potentially been exposed, the best thing that you can do is to um, just monitor yourself for some of the symptoms um, that are often associated with COVID. And COVID, um, the signs and symptoms associated with that are usually like flu-like symptoms. Um, and if you think you're sick, um, call a doctor. I know, um, like I said, they, they started trying to pass or enacted a couple of laws about how people can get testing for uh, COVID. So if you think you're sick, Call your doctor. Um, if you don't have a primary care doctor, you can call an urgent care center or you can call a local hospital and talk to somebody about your symptoms and see what the next steps you should take are. Uh, does your hospital or do you or your hospital have any um, familiarity with like telehealth services? And are you guys using that too? Because we are down here oh, a little bit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, most most instances when people do call the hospital, they are directed to the tele, telehealth services. I know a lot of institutions are putting that in place um, just to avoid a large crowd of people in the emergency room because that in itself could be dangerous. People who may think they have, co uh, have the disease may not, and then they're going to the emergency room exposing themselves to people who actually do have it. Okay, um, this is a crazy question, but I'm gonna ask it. I've seen, um, I was watching PBS NewsHour yesterday and mm -hmm. I saw a girl, um, she took a test and someone locally on Twitter and uh -huh. they, they had to put the swab so far up her nostril. What, yeah. the, what, what is like, why, why do they have to like, you said mucous membranes, why does the test have to involve going into your, your brain almost? To get, <laughs> <laughs> um there are actually <laughs> there are actually um a couple of other tests that we perform that are similar um that nasal swab but i mean honestly just going up as far as possible um ensures the best result the best possible result um and i mean i know it's uncomfortable but if you do feel like you have signs and symptoms um it's more important to know um, then not know so that you don't potentially expose people who you love or, you know, other people that you're around in daily life. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping they come up with a blood test, though. I don't know. <laughs> a blood test? I mean, I think a lot of people would beg to differ. Oh, oh, yeah, you know what? You probably stick a lot of people. I, yeah. yeah um, I mean, people, yeah. I mean, people are real queasy. With the um, with the the nostril thing, people usually don't know what's coming. So, I mean, it's uncomfortable, but it's not like they're, they're waiting for it. It's not like they have that, you know, how when people anticipating that they're going to get a needle, they just, sometimes they just tense up and it just makes the whole experience worse than it actually is. Yeah. But like I said, it might not be pleasant. I haven't gotten the testing yet myself, but I have performed similar testing and I'm not going to lie. It isn't pleasant. It looks like it is uncomfortable, but you want to know. So. Yeah, and it's only a second. Let me not be a punk. It's a second. Yeah. Punk. Yeah. Okay. Um, there was oh, I was gonna ask you something else. Oh, what was about something with not, oh yeah. 
So <laughs> another, like, <laughs> another like not trying to make light of it, but kind of like just want to have a real conversation. So like um, on Twitter a few days ago, Carrie Hilson was posting that uh-huh. uh, this was started, COVID-19 was started by 5G radiation. Have you heard things like this, like radiation, starting what? viruses? You probably busy working. So I, okay. So this particular subject, no, I have not heard anything about. However, I do know that the coronavirus is, is something that has been around and this strain is something that's different. Now, I, I also know that radiation can mutate things and change things. So in my mind, from the information I have, is it a possibility? Maybe. But is it probable? No. I love, I love your scientific approach. I think that's how you hear a lot of scientists. They never like speak with in, absol- in absolutes because it's, it's, you can't do that. Yeah. Right. And there, there's always. So I appreciate you saying it the way you did. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I highly doubt that a virus was started. By- yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I don't believe that. But like I said, just like trying to speak intelligently to a wider audience, <laughs> I can't unequivocally say no, but I really don't think so. <laughs> okay, so so we've kind of, we've already kind of talked about like what other cities, other measures. New Jersey has like an eight o'clock curfew, I think. I think yeah, I heard about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but real quick, just mm-hmm. going back to like these myths and everything, Looking online the other day, I saw somebody sent me something and it, there's like all these, it's like a whole bunch of myths they're sending out to people. Um, one of it, uh, one of them, which I hope everybody like is, does not believe anymore is that black people can't get the coronavirus because now people in the NBA who are black have been confirmed to have, to, to have gotten COVID-19. Yeah, I, I think uh, because because folks didn't see it in Africa. Mm-hmm. I hope that was just a joke for most people, but but you never know. Some people do think some, that... You know what? I, some people... Sometimes, some people I talk to, I really didn't know if it was a joke for them. So some people that's, really that's believe scary. they were like, well, but have there been any Black people who've been... I don't know if there have been any Black people, but that doesn't mean Black... We don't know anything about this disease. And... Um, there aren't anything like, why would a black person be immune to something that everybody else isn't immune to? Um, you know, that everybody else can get. Um, another thing that they were circulating around where they were saying, if you drink water and keep your throat, have you seen that? If you keep your throat moist or wet, (laughs) (laughs) I don't even like saying that word, (laughs) that that'll prevent you from getting a coronavirus. Um, it's gonna be a lot. Also, of, it's gonna be a lot of nasty people keeping it. It <laughs> is, and then they also. <laughs> it's another one that it's like a a self test, and it says if you can hold your breath for ten seconds, you're okay. And I guess that is based on the fact that the corona that uh, COVID nineteen affects your respiratory system, um, and so this kind of self test. Um, they're telling people will help them determine whether or not they have it, but that's totally inaccurate. As we talked about earlier, some people don't even have any signs and symptoms. The most dangerous part about this for most people is the chance that they could pass it on to somebody else who is immunocompromised. Yeah, I think that's the thing right there. But I'm I'm glad you're discussing these little these little things because I some of these I never heard of that hold your breath. But like, and I understand a lot of people are going on YouTube or WebMD, like mm-hmm. folks. Um, 
the libraries might be closed in person, mm-hmm. but if you have a library card, folks, you, you can, can use get the a library. virtual book. <laughs> you need to read some, the, some, some Tamika, <laughs> the things. Have you seen this coronavirus challenge? No, no. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's just disgraceful. There is a video of a girl, and I don't even know how this has anything to do with the coronavirus, but she's like in a, uh airplane bathroom licking a toilet seat i saw a quick like two second clip of it and i i I swiped so quickly because it it made me so (laughs) sick are you serious (laughs) i couldn't believe it i i'm done i am so done with these people and this stuff i mean that's the thing about social media is so powerful (sighs) for people Mm -hmm. and um i i that's what i'm fearful of um but yeah, again, I'm th- I'm grateful for you and having friends who actually have some sort of insight um, and mm-hmm. comments. <laughs> but I re- I really do wish people would get off YouTube and just please go like just study. Like I talked to two PhDs today. Um, mm-hmm. one, one was an economist, and one was um someone who specializes in tourism. Oh was, man, okay. Yeah, and it was so refreshing just talking to folks that could point to scholarly text to you know back up their work, and so. Um, yeah, I'm not saying that everyone has to be a scholar, but I, mm-hmm. I really, there's something about having your opinions based in fact, um, that's important. Yeah. So any, so I'm, I'm not going to keep you long, but like any tips or anything you'd like to just, um, tell folks listening from, from an RN, an RN. Oh MSN. yeah. Um, absolutely. I, like I said, I can't reiterate, wash your hands, don't touch your face enough. Um, be smart about your health. Um, if you do have any signs and symptoms, don't ignore them. Um, you can self-quarantine and get tested. Um, as we talked about earlier, um, some of the new laws passed um, are directed at allowing people to be able to get um, to stay home when they're sick. Um, and, you know, just check out, stay informed. Check out the new laws that are being passed to help you get through this. Um, and I also highly recommend that everybody visits the CDC um, website for more information. They have excellent tips on um, hand washing, um, how to actually keep yourself, how to engage yourself outside without being, you know, too c- up close and personal with other people. Um, and they also have a section on how to how this particular epidemic may affect your mental health and how to deal with that, which I think is excellent. No, Um, I'm so, I'm so sorry. Um, I wanted to talk about that real quick. So yeah, you and I talked off mic about, um, you know, I asked you, were you going to pursue your neck, the next level or another Mm -hmm. level of education? You mentioned uh, no PhD, but you thought about, yeah, I am going to, um, seek out to get my um, certification as a um, psychiatric nurse practitioner. Um, and one of my motivations for doing that is just me noticing um, the lack of quality mental health providers in the community period, but more specifically for the black community. And when I say the black community, I say that because um, in order for any kind of therapy to work, 
um, any kind of engagement with somebody else in order to treat your mental health. In order for that to work, you have to be comfortable with the person. And studies show that people are often most comfortable with people that look like them or that they feel like they can relate to. And so I just want to work on that so I can be another person that's out there, um, beating the pavement, just trying to get quality mental health care to my people. No, I thank you for that. I think we don't talk about that enough. I know I'm candid with my personal bouts of depression, um, but I, I think that, yeah, we need to remove that stigma in the Black community and stop just making self-care something like an Instagram meme and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even even mental health. Oh, I got yeah. a therapist. It's, it's so much deeper than that, but having having more Black professionals in that field is important. And um, so so in terms of COVID-19, you know, some folks might start getting depressed because they're inside. Oh, and- yeah, absolutely. So Undo stress. Like, they, they, people are isolated, stressed out, because you're now you have your kids 24 hours. There is no break. Um, you know, we might complain about work, but... But being home sometimes is harder than being at work. And when you know you're restricted to being home, that can wear on you. Um, and so, like I said, they they do have a lot of recommendations on just how to deal with your mental health. Because um, they don't say that you should stay inside and be cooped up. They do want you to get fresh air. You just want to avoid large gatherings. And you want to, you know, make sure that you're not going to crowded places. Yeah, but, yeah. I think that's yeah, why so. our local parks here in Charleston, they, they haven't closed the county parks, not mm-hmm. yet, because I think they want people to go outside and get fresh air. Okay. Yeah. And you're saying, when you say they, you're talking about the CDC's website? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. Yeah, the CDC website. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Nurse, me- Nurse Misha. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Thanks I, for having me. I appreciate all you do um, and for Philadelphia, but... um. You know, um, I know that it's going to get really real, for lack of a better phrase, for you. Uh-uh. And, you know, um, I know you're going to spend some time away from your family as as this crisis. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so I'm, but, I'm um, thinking. Just on another note before we go, I did try and look up um, some testing sites in Charleston, but I, I couldn't really find anything online. So what I recommend is if you have any symptoms, like I said before, um, just contact um your local health professionals so that they can direct you to where you need to be at. Absolutely. No, um, we've got a couple, like I said, one shut down, um, one major one shut down today. So, um, I'll, I'll definitely, yeah, I'll definitely include, um, some links for people to what's currently um, up and running, but thank you, Mish. Please stay safe. Oh no. Thank you. You do too. You do too. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.